Hey everybody, welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crypt review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostess, and this is the last episode of the Good Evening Kitties podcast. Thank you, extravaganza! Woo! Yeah, we made it. I made it. We all made it. Everybody made it. Uh, yeah, this is the last episode for like the collective of the Good Evening Kitties podcast. This is just like a thank you episode. Then I'm gonna go through and just thank a bunch of people and play some clips and we'll have a good time. And uh, I started this podcast, or at least getting the idea for this podcast six years ago. It was like June of 2017. And then I started working on like some music and and what I wanted to do with the format and everything. And then I released the first episode, September 2017. And I thought I'd have it done before now, but life got in the way and I moved and just, I was in a musical and just different things that got in the way. And so I'm done now. This is it. I did, uh, Let's see. If you include movies, it was 98 reviews. So 93 episodes and five movies. And then I also did 35 horror movie reviews and a couple other little like bonus episodes and interviews and stuff for fun. So yeah, it's been, it's been a time. So I just wanted to get on here and wrap things up and thank everyone. And so first of all, thank you all so much for downloading episodes, listening to episodes, talking with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on emailing me, leaving comments and reviews and participating in polls and just all kinds of stuff and talking all about Tales from the Crypt. And I got to know and or get to know a lot of people online who love the show and who have a lot more knowledge about certain things of it than I do. And so I've got to learn some stuff. You know, it was nice just going through and reviewing the show again and just, yeah, it's been really fun. So it's done and basically my next plan is I'm going to take a bit of a break. I'm wanting to be on other people's podcasts and I was recently on another one on the Cult Worthy podcast. I was on the episode about bad dog movies. You can check that episode out. But I'm hoping to get on some other podcasts and just talk about whatever, you know, horror movies and musicals and mental health and animals and I don't know, just whatever, science, just whatever people want to do. So I'll talk a little more about that later, but I have some ideas for other things and podcast wise, and I may jump back on here from time to time and maybe add something. But for the most part, I think I'm done. And I plan on keeping the episodes up for the Good Evening Kitties podcast on Podbean for a while. And like, I'll let people know if anything of that changes, but I'm going to keep up also the Facebook page, at least for a little while longer. And then I'll keep the Twitter page. That's pretty much my main page anyway that I'm on for myself. So I'll keep my Twitter page up for the Good Evening Kitties podcast. That's at G-E-K podcast or at Gek podcast. You can also follow Gus the Podcat on Instagram at a sweet cat named Gus. And right now he has the zoomies. So if you hear any skittering around, that's what he's doing. And then I also did open up an Instagram page for the Good Evening Kitties podcast. It's not completely finished. I'm just kind of updating episodes from the beginning on there, you know, and putting pictures and stuff like that. So um, you can check that out as well. And yeah, my email will still be open. Goodeveningpod at gmail.com. Probably the best way to reach me if you're wanting me to be on a podcast or anything like that would be either emailing me on that or sending a message to me on Twitter. Again, at Gek Podcast or at G-E-K Podcast. And yeah, so that's what's up. And again, thank you all. And so let's get going on this episode. 
So, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone who was part of Tales from the Crypt, the series, the movies, you know, the people who did the props and the advertising and the actors and the directors and the producers and the creators and everything, just the writers, all of that. I want to thank everyone for making the show. I'd also like to thank John Kassir for being the voice of the Crypt Keeper and for following me on Twitter. We follow each other and um, he's retweeted a few episodes and things like that or talked with me or things every once in a while. And yeah, it's just, it's very nice. So I want to say thanks for that. I also wanted to thank Danny Elfman for the theme song. I'd also like to thank Alan Katz, or A.L. Katz, producer and writer for Tales from the Crypt, as well as co-producer of Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood. And he was on an episode of the Good Evening Kitties podcast and talked to me for a while, and we had a great time, and so you can go back and listen to that episode. And I'd also like to leave a clip here of that episode. So here's a clip of me and A.L. Katz talking about Season 7 and everything that happened with that and just other things. So yeah, enjoy the clip. John did what John did. Where John, John never left. He never left Los Angeles. Uh, okay. You know, if, if in the later days he might have recorded some stuff in his home, I don't know. That was after I was gone. But the whole time that I was there, I always went into a studio and I had some of the most enjoyable crypt hours of my uh, while I was doing crypt, working with John in the recording studio. That was awesome. always great, great, great fun. What was up with the last episode of season seven? Like, why was it a cartoon? The partners were in, had in the back of their mind a animated Crypt Keeper series. Oh, okay. So as, it was just like we the stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a backdoor, backhanded attempt to, which in the end, we, we did end up doing. We did a mm-hmm. Saturday morning show. Well, I, I didn't, but the Crypt partners did, Kelsey and the Crypt Keeper. So, you know, they were, they were experimenting with that idea. Okay. And and frankly, the last episode we shot there, aside from the fact that it it starred it has a, in a very small part a guy who became a huge actor, it, it is a very very tired tired show. How long did it take from like start to finish of shooting season seven? All right, once we committed to going there, uh, we were there for about six months. So now I'm going to go through and I'd like to thank the many people who have been guest hosts. From what I counted, I think I did about half. So like 47 episodes or so had guests on them. So I'm just going to give a little shout out to everybody. So yeah, first of all, I'd like to thank Mike. Mike is my boyfriend, my partner, all that good stuff. He has been very supportive of the podcast and has been there to help push me to edit when I don't want to edit or, you know, he watched a lot of the episodes, like rewatched them with me and things. And he was in 16 episodes, including the Tales from the Crypt 1972 movie review. So here's a clip of an episode Mike and I did, uh, season three, episode seven, The Reluctant Vampire. And he's just like, yeah, I'm a vampire. And she's like, of course, I've known for years. Four years. Four years. She has known he was a vampire and she never said anything. Why wouldn't you just, I don't know why you wouldn't be like, it's all good. It's fine. I guess she didn't want to blow his cover and stuff, but she likes it. She thinks it's sexy that he's a vampire. I just love the word, the way she says that word. Sexy. Yeah, I know. It's like almost like she's Se- like a sin to say it's it. so sexy. Sexy. <laughs> it makes you kind of sexy. And she's just like, you know, I'm going to fight for it, but I'm also kind of turned on right now. And what's happening? And Mr. Crosswhite is like, that's hilarious. But me and Sally are going to be together. And Sally's like, what are you talking? Like, no, It's man. like, you, no. <laughs> no one wants to be with you. And so he's basically like, if you don't come along with me, Sally, I'm going to hurt Mr. Longtooth. And she's like, you know what? Fine. I'll come along with you. I'll be with you, whatever. So Mr. Crosswhite tells Longtooth to get in his coffin and go to sleep. 
where is your coffin? And so that's when Longtooth is like, do you want me to show you my coffin? <laughs> He's like, I have a cool Murphy bed coffin. I mean, that's not what he says, but that's... So he goes over and unhooks the rope. Well, he walks... I mean, very menacingly walks over <laughs> uh, and unhooks the rope because Mr. Crosswhite's not letting him out of his sight with those holy water guns. And he unhooks the rope and then the coffin slams down and knocks Mr. Crosswhite <laughs> out yeah. because he was right underneath where it was going to come out, which is like, ha, ha, ha. And immediately, Longtooth is like, I've been wanting to bite this guy it's, for so It's happy long. hour. Yeah. Again, with the allusions to blood being, like, yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, something, like, having the same effect on vampires as alcohol has on humans. Yeah, because even, in, like you said in the, the beginning, shaker. with him waking up, though, seeming like he was hungover. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's just, like, a blood and, drunk. And, and then in the, over the radio, with Van Helsing over the radio, saying that it was an addiction. Yeah, so it's kind of like, like a know, play on alcoholism. Is this just, it, it doesn't really put vampires in that glamorous light no. in it, that uh, Is it glamorous? I don't know. No. Well... I mean, Edward and Sparkles. Well, that's not a vampire. Stuff like that. Hey, now. <laughs> You're an all-star. You can't actually say that you know just because something is not my version of a vampire, well, it's not a true vampire. It's like no true Scotsman, no true vampire would do that, right? Anyway, Mr. Longtooth is excited for happy hour, and his fangs come out, and he goes down immediately. He's like licking. He's all gross. He's like licking it. Um, yum, yum. And he gets ready to go down to, to bite Mr. Crosswhite, and then they hear a noise. Next, I'd like to thank my mom. My mom has been on three episodes, even though she's not a huge horror fan at all. And I think those are the only three episodes she's ever seen of Tales from the Crypt. But she came on and she gave it her best shot. And there's some really good stuff that we put together in different episodes that we were in or that we were in together. And so she was in Lower Birth, Maniac at Large, and The Kidnapper. So thank you, mom, for coming onto the podcast three times. And here is a clip from season two, episode 14, Lower Birth, with me and my mom. Things are going good. Um, everyone's really interested in it. And, and while this is going on, Enoch kind of gets a glimpse of Myrna. And he immediately is smitten. Mm-hmm. And he thinks she is gorgeous, gorgeous dead lady. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so... I don't know that he realizes. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, he probably is like, oh, she's sleeping a lot. Mm-hmm. So every time she gets revealed for a new show, he's there watching, and he just thinks she's so beautiful, you know. So he's, well, hey, at least now he's not the big freak part. That's true. He's not the big. Um, well, it probably takes some of the pressure off too because he's not like the center of attention. Right. That's yeah. what I mean, he's not the main attraction anymore. She's so. the big one now, so he can kind of just. I still think it's. I don't know, well, he's still kept in his cage. Yeah. He's still, but you don't hear them beat on him. Like yeah. That, you know? Enoch is sleeping one day in his cage, and and he wakes up to see this little girl. Um, who we find out later her name is Elizabeth and she's got her little doll and she's kind of, she's not at all afraid of him. He's yeah, kinda, I thought that was Yeah, I think it's kind of sweet though. It is sweet. But yeah, so right away. How old do you think she is? 10 maybe? Yeah, maybe yeah. 10. And she's got a doll and Enoch right away is, is trying to hide his face and, you know, trying not to scare her, I guess. And, and he doesn't really speak much English, but the, he, he's able to show her that he wants her to open up the curtains behind him, uh, behind Elizabeth, because he wants to see Myrna. She eventually gets the hint. And so then he's excited because then the curtains open. He can see Myrna. But before that, she's showing him her baby doll. And he's like, yeah. oh, interested in that. And then he's kind of playing with that. And she's letting, it, letting him touch it. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's of... when she realizes he wants her to open up the curtain. Yeah. And so he's really interested in, in her and, you know, getting her to open the curtain. And so her mom, Elizabeth's mom, shows up, you know, looking for her daughter. And she's mad. And she's like, Elizabeth, what are you doing with that freak? You know, and all that stuff. And so Elizabeth. Yeah, and the mom don't even come in to get her. She no, just tells her, come here. Just come here. <laughs> just let it, you know. Most time moms would be like running in there. She's too afraid to even go in there. Next, I'd like to thank Adami. Adami is my best friend. 
We've been, oh my gosh, best friends since we were like 19 or so. I was recently in his wedding. He's also not a huge horror fan either sometimes, uh, at least not like I am. But he offered to be on three episodes and we always had a great time. Adami was in uh, Dead Weight, Strung Along, and Let the Punishment Fit the Crime. And so here is a clip of me and Adami from Season 4, Episode 12, Strung Along. And David's having issues trying to get the strings to all move and function at the right time, and, and he's getting all tangled up. And they're just kind of, I don't know, just going over things. And he's even starting to dress kind of like Joseph. He's got the suspenders. Mm. Didn't David, or not David, Joseph do the um, this whole show by himself before? I think so. Why does he need a, a guy now? I guess because he's ancient. I don't know. <laughs> but he seems fine. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Well, I guess to take the pressure off with his heart condition in case... I feel like we're overselling the heart condition (laughs) a little bit here. Because puppetry is so hardcore. I I feel like that's just going to be like the reason for everything. It's like, why do you think he dyes (laughs) his hair? He's got a real bad heart. It's probably his heart condition makes him dye his hair. And so Helen's been watching him and David interact and she's like, oh, it's so nice. And they're just still practicing. And as time's going on, I'm not sure how long it's been. But David is getting better. Mm-hmm. He's, he's learning and, and they're really starting to build a, like a friendship or a partnership with all of this. This is where they're like, I wrote some new lines. I, who oh, told yeah. you to write some new lines? I asked him to write some new lines. Yeah. He's Helen comes 90s. down with the snack. How dare you? <laughs> Helen comes down with the snack. Joseph's like, yeah, David, help me rewrite some of the script or whatever, some of the lines. And she's livid. Like, she's like, why? Why would you do that? It, it, you know, and he's like, well, because we're upgrading it from the 50s to the 90s, like, with new jokes and stuff. And she's like, it's a throwback to the 50s. Like, that would be the point. So, I mean, I, I kind of get where she's coming from, but she's getting a little overly upset. At least I think so. I like how updated the jokes were. It was like, cowabunga on yeah. the beach. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, that's updated, all right. Yeah, you should shout cowabunga, not help me. Yeah, help one. me, mommy. Help me, mommy. Oh, grabbing his heart. Yeah, and so her just yelling. Like, it, it, it must be a really sensitive heart condition because her just getting worked up gets mm-hmm. him so worked up that he has to sit down and try to breathe. He's like, hang on, I just need to catch my breath. I'm fine. Next, I'd like to thank my friend Heather. This is going to be a trend of some of my friends here because Heather is one of my college friends. <laughs> so uh, I've kept many college friends and a lot of them were on the podcast. So I'd like to thank Heather for being on three episodes. She reviewed Corman's Calamity with me. We reviewed Spoiled, and we also reviewed Bordello of Blood. So here is a clip of season two, episode 13, Corman's Calamity, that me and Heather recorded together. And so he still tries to attack her, and I love the fact that she actually is a cop. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah, she like, she uses maneuvers, flips him over, and he's like, ow. Yeah. Like she actually <laughs> like, why did you do that? Flips him, and I was like, oh good, she is actually a cop. <laughs> or what, you know. And so now he's really mad, and so he's coming after her, and, and as he is, the washing machine starts going off. Yeah, because it's the same one. Yeah, it is. Okay. And so the washing machine's going off, and then all the soap comes out, and this huge, uh, like, lizardy swamp thing comes out. And I love this part, because she, she's like, oh my god, behind you. Oh my god, behind you! <laughs> that's the oldest trick in the book. Well, and the way, <laughs> yeah, and that's the way, the way that she says it, is, I feel like that's how you would be, because you'd be like... Is that walking lizard monster? Like, well, like, yeah, because her, like, because we've seen horror movies, yeah. and they try to do that, like, oh my god, what's behind you, like, of concern. Yeah. So I get where he came from, but honestly, if something, you know, a giant swamp orc monster came out of your washing machine, yeah. that's exactly how you'd be. Like, I'm trying to warn you, but I am Like, I don't even care that you're here right now, because there's this monster back here that's yeah. even worse, so, you know, maybe you should look behind you. And so this monster bites him on the head. 
laziest monster. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Bites him on the head and ends up, I guess, tearing the head off because the entire head falls on the yeah, ground. Yeah, rips this guy's head off. It comes falling down. There's a little bit of blood. It's not super gory. The head's kind of gross looking, but... And she escapes. Yeah, she gets Yay. out, leaves her laundry there. She don't need no clothes. So I guess what the story is, is, you know, every woman needs a giant swamp ogre. Yes. As protection. And to know karate. And so now it's to, uh, the cops are there, and she, I guess she ran to go get the cops or whatever. So. I love that the hat on the head yeah. is outlined. <laughs> and the cops are there investigating and, like, um, interviewing her, and there's an outline of the guy's body and his head to the side, and they even have the hat that he was wearing outlined. Cause, cause that died too, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And there's Next, I'd like to thank Sharisa. Sharisa is also a college friend, and um, she was on three episodes as well. She was on Top Billing, Seance, and Food for Thought, and we always had a great time. And uh, here is a clip of season four, episode four, Seance. This part where um, Mr. Chalmers is like, well, because the uncle's his dad. Oh, and right. And so he's like, I'm pretty sure. And he's like, yeah, my mom told me he died from a train accident or something by a train. And she's just like... I love trains. Do you want a cigarette? I'm like, this guy just said his dad got ran over by a train, and you're like, mm, trains are hot. And he's, he's just trying to... And he's already intrigued. I mean, he already commented about how he had such a, a beautiful cousin and, and things like that. she said, you never told me how be- or handsome my cousin was, but uh, here's a uh, tip. He's not an old man. <laughs> not even that he's not an old man. He's not an attractive old man. He's okay. Well, he he's least... no Richard Gear, okay? Okay, no. But he does, <laughs> he does look like he takes care of himself for the most part. I don't Somewhat. Know. And so they agreed to meet up later. I guess because they hit it off so well. I think. Well, they wanted to talk about what they were going to do with the money. And I guess... I think they're also wanting to scam the lawyer a little bit, yeah. it seemed like. So they were thinking maybe, I think, taking his cut and just not worrying about the rest of the money or something. So mm. that... No. Well, the two scammers yeah. are just wanting his cut. And that's what they were going to run with. But the scam, well, what she was trying to get Mr. Chalmers to do mm-hmm. was to buy out the lawyer, but leave the money in there so that it continued to grow. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. So that's what they were meeting to discuss. Yeah, Cause I, but I think they're really only, they're really just going to take off to the cut and not worry about the rest of the other Exactly, money, that's why they're trying to scam him, so that yeah. he'll fork over the money to pay off the lawyer, yeah, and but then that's can, the money they want to run with. Yeah, then they can split and each have 150 grand a piece. Yeah, which, again, 1920s. Yeah. Pretty nice. And uh, so they go to this hotel and they set it up to where they're going to blackmail Mr. Chalmers. She's going to seduce him and then Benny's in the closet and he's going to take a bunch of pictures and they're going to show it to his wife. If he tries to get them for taking his money. Yes. It's just... As a backup. Yeah, it's just a backup. As a backup to blackmail him. So Benny gets in the closet. He's hanging out in, in the hotel room and she's like, cool, let's do this. And he shows up. And he gives her a rose and he uses that stupid line, a rose for a rose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, sure. And she's like, oh my God, hi. And then he walks over and he takes off his wedding ring. And I was like, ah, trash. Uh, it's always trash. <laughs> he removes the wedding Not ring. Only that, but it's his cousin. Yeah, it's his cousin. Well, I guess technically he's never grown up with her. So it's maybe to him, it's just another woman. It's another woman. Next, I'd like to thank Joe. Joe is also uh, a college friend. Joe was part of the Discography Discussion podcast, so he came on for a couple of his favorite episodes. He came on for Undertaking Poller, What's Cooking, or What's Cooking, and House of Horror. So here's a clip of me and Joe from Season 4, Episode 6, What's Cooking. 
And so now they go back into the freezer and Chumley's body, Meatloaf's body, is stripped bare. It's basically a head, the legs are missing, bone and sinew, and he's like, they've hacked away his entire body, which part of me is like, did some of those steaks have nipples? Because what did they do with the skin? You know, that's the one thing that... They just throw that away? I spend time, as many times as I've watched this episode, I spend time thinking about... There are pieces of the human body that if you did serve them, it would be blatantly obvious they are not steaks. Yeah, you could tell. And I'm guessing meatloaf is what? 250? I will give you 300 pounds for the sake of the argument. The point is, stripped bare in one day? Yeah. How much steak did these people eat? Uh, $1,500 worth, apparently. (laughs) So now, Gaston has kind of cornered him next to meatloaf's horrifyly mutilated body. Now he's starting to threaten to call the cops after they've already made the money and everything. And Gaston's just got this really good arched eyebrow. And he starts to kind of blackmail him. He's like, well, you cut him last night with your special knife that is only made of apparently kryptonite. I hate this guy. And the cops are easily going to be able to figure out that you probably killed him, not me. He's like, you should have said something before. You didn't. There were witnesses. Those guys that I know across the street saw what happened. Have you considered that Gaston is just a different kind of serial killer that we really haven't seen in American film and television? You never see him eat anyone. All he does is kill Mm. and then get other people to eat people. Well, and cover his tracks. 100%. Yeah. But you never actually see him eat people, so you can't call him a cannibal. I used well, to no. hate him more because he was a cannibal spreading his ravenous disease. Yeah, but yeah, he I'm doesn't call it, it that. But you never see him no. eat. You just see him kill. Yep. He just likes or to try eat. to kill. Yeah. Next, I'd like to thank Jeff. Jeff, I actually met like from friends of a friend type situation. And he was also part of the podcast discography discussion. So Jeff came on for three episodes. He was on for Abracadaver, Split Personality, and also Doctor of Horror. So here is a clip of me and Jeff from season six, episode 12, Doctor of Horror. And so they're bringing this body down, uh, Hank Azaria and Travis Tritt's characters. And Charlie, Travis Tritt, he just, he can't handle it. He don't like any of this. He doesn't yep. feel it's right. You're messing with dead bodies. This is like against, you know, nature and God and everything. And you just shouldn't be doing this. He has no stomach for this whatsoever. Yeah, you can tell that he is the follower of the two. I, yes. Also, I do love when they're carrying her. All of a sudden, her remortis has gone away. And she, yeah. <laughs> she's essentially folded up like an accordion while, they, while yeah, they're she's real her. floppy all of a sudden. And then... <laughs> Yeah, so then they bring into this cabin, which you said reminded you of the Evil Dead cabin, which kind yeah, of does a little. Yeah, in the way this basement is. Yeah, whenever they're coming down the stairs, I just totally got the Evil Dead vibe. Well, and there's like some wood paneling too. Yeah. So then all of a sudden they turn the lights on, and there's this little like makeshift cadaver morgue thing. And so they lay her on her stomach, and he's like, Well, what are you going to do? And he's like, Well, I've been looking for the soul. And apparently that's in the back of your neck or in your shoulder blades. And he wants to be able to find it. And I don't know, do what with it? I don't know. He hasn't gotten very far so far. So maybe that's why we were built to where we can't really... You got that one spot on your spine that you can't reach really well when you're trying to... And you get an itch right there. like that's where it would be. That's your soul talking to you. (laughs) Next, I'd like to thank Brandon. Brandon, I also met through Friends of a Friend. Uh, I haven't ever met him in person. He is in the band American Standards uh, and really big Tales from the Crypt fan. So I've had him on twice and it's been great. He was on the episode Television Terror and also on the episode Creep Course. So here is a clip of me and Brandon from Season 5, Episode 9, Creep Course. As if she needs to care so much about this. Like it's her responsibility to get him to pass. And so he's still just like, 
backing her kind of into a corner. But then she takes her glasses off, and she's immediately a 10. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, she's cute. I actually think she's cute with the glasses, but... Um, it, it's kind of like the Clark Kent thing. It's like, oh, I didn't recognize you without your glasses on. Or, like, wasn't it the... It was that movie, like, She's All That? Like, they took out her ponytail and took her glasses off, and then all of a sudden she was a knockout? Yeah, it's like every 90s or 80s movie was like, this person is a whole different person with her glasses on and their hair up. I'm trying to think that. Yeah, he takes her glasses off. That is such nerve. Him just being like, let me see how beautiful. Like, she, he's he's coming on to her, and she's backed up against the... This gets a little creepy. His yeah. eyes are creepy here. Look at it. <laughs> yeah, he's like almost threatening her the way he's got her backed up onto the Dewey Decimal System there behind her. And <laughs> then he leans out. in. Yeah. <laughs> to the he Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> he leans in and kisses her and i was like oh because her face looks so like it's slow and her face is like like she's like oh my god he's kissing me and i'm like oh she's so gone he's <laughs> he's got her and so then he's like yeah i got this and he just like looks at her and hands the glasses back and he's like i'll see you tonight or whatever you know to go do it and so she's and she like, puts the arm of the glasses in her eye <laughs> yeah she's just completely thrown now she's like what so later, I'm assuming that night, she shows up to Professor Friendly's house, and he's just happily like, oh, hey, how's it going? Come on in. Next, I'd like to thank my friend Cindy. Cindy is another college friend, and she came on for two episodes. I'm pretty sure it's two. I think I counted everyone right. <laughs> she came on for two episodes. She was on King of the Road and The Pit, and we always get real giggly and have a good time. Here is a clip from Season 4, Episode 9, King of the Road. What are their ages, too? Because it's never, like, it's ambiguous as what their ages are, but I assume the daughter's the teenager, and yeah. Brad Pitt's character's got to be, what, in his 20s? So it's kind of, like, creepy that he's, like, hitting on someone's yeah. daughter who's, like, a teenager. Like, Yeah, mm. I want to say she's at least probably 17, and then he's probably at least 21, if not, like, 23. I don't know. And apparently all he does for a living is stalk people who, who he wants to drag race and possibly kill. Yeah. So he can get it tattooed down his arm. So she goes in, she's like, okay, bye. I only known you for like an hour. <laughs> I'm in love. And this is going to totally piss my dad off. I can't wait. <laughs> Even though her and her dad seem to get along pretty well. So I don't know what. Yeah, maybe she's having like a rebellious. I mean, because like most teenagers go through that like rebellious stage. Maybe she's having a little bit of like, oh, maybe I'll date the bad guy or the bad boy. And like my. Like I said, he is cute. And he, <laughs> so you're like, and he's got a nice car. How yes. can he afford it though? If all he does is like, does he get money from like racing these people? So that's what like, makes you wonder: is he really just dead from the past? Is this some sort of play on the movie? Sometimes they come back or whatever. So, so she leaves to go inside, and so he waits till she leaves. And Brad Pitt gets out with his Manila envelope and a little box, and he goes over to the to the mailbox, and he puts this envelope in. It's got all this information in it about the Iceman. And then he opens up this little box that he's just been hanging on to, and there's a little tarantula in it. Well, it's not really little, but there's a tarantula. And he just sets the tarantula inside the mailbox and shuts the door. And you're like, all right, well, I guess he was trying to send a message. I guess so. And so the next day, Iceman Cop comes out barefoot. Uh, <laughs> bare-chested, <laughs> Bare-chested, he's got his shirt open. <laughs> I think that's like the first sign that he's having a midlife crisis. <laughs> hey, he's, he's not bad looking for an older dude. He's got the white fur everywhere. Uh-huh. And he comes out. And he's standing there and he opens the mailbox and he, he doesn't look, he just puts his hand in. And when he pulls it out, the tarantula's just precariously dangling on top of his hand. And he's immediately like, ew, and throws it on the ground and steps on it. Which is a little bit, like, overkill. Like, you're gonna just let it go. Like, it yeah. didn't bite you, it didn't do anything, it just kind of wanted to be. And Poor thing was in a box. Yeah, like, he doesn't, tarantulas aren't normally 
that aggressive unless you're watching like eight legged freaks which is a spider movie where they are but he stomps him out and they show it like he's and he's barefoot and he stomps on this thing and it looks like peanut butter shooting out of the tarantula and it's just like and then you're like well i guess that guy's dead okay i think we're like in arizona you probably could have just let him leave Next, I'd like to thank Jonathan from CryptTube. He was on an, an episode recently, been on his uh, YouTube channel, and yeah, we've collaborated a bit and talked quite a bit. And yeah, if you want to get know more of, of Tales from the Crypt and also watch 4K restorations of the episodes, you can go to CryptTube on YouTube. He did the Demon Knight review with me, and he was also on Season 7, Episode 13, the last episode of Tales from the Crypt, The Third Pig. So here is a clip of me and Jonathan from our Demon Knight review. Enjoy. And then he's like, sweet. So then he like kisses her and then um, she kills him. And uh, I'm trying to remember, how did she kill him? Uh, she, well, once he transformed and whatnot, she, I mean, like she had him on the bed and she was basically like clawing his face like to shreds. Oh, yeah, that's right. And as soon as she, 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 she literally picked him up, claws dug into his face, picked him up one handed and tossed his ass out the doorway towards, like, everyone trying to stop it. So, he, yeah, he was dead. Man, these demons are great. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're creative. Yeah, I really like the kills and stuff on this. Yeah, because then during this, that's when uh, Irene, or CCH Pounder, is trying to fight him, and there's this really gross scene where the demon hits her arm, and you see the bone pop out and break. Mm-hmm. But then to make it worse, they he the demon rips her arm off. Yep. And she's just like, oh, my God. And so she recovers from that pretty well. I mean, she gets drunk. Mm-hmm. But she can still move pretty well, considering I'd be passed out. But they kind of, like, tie her up and everything and wrap her up. And so she's got this little stump. And she's just like, screw all this. So then Breaker kills the Cordelia demon. So she's she's gone and Wally's gone. They head downstairs. Uh, I guess just to recover from the from the incident. And, you know, that, that that's when um, TCH Pounder was uh, getting alcohol in her system and getting the, the, the blood to clot up and whatnot. And... Just pretty much talk about what the situation is going on and what the hell's going to happen now. So they get down there and they find that there's like uh, some a, like a gap coming through or like a breeze and there's an old mine tunnel under the building, which I'd forgotten about this when I was watching it. I was like, oh yeah. So Roach takes a sledgehammer and starts you know hitting the hole in there and stuff, and that's where they find a, this boy Danny from the beginning. I think his parents own the restaurant. Yeah, and they had that his his dad's car was the car that was gonna it was trying to get stolen or whatever from from Frank. So he's just hiding there all curled up and they're like, oh, you know, why are you hiding there? What's up? You know, and then these demons come flying out. So I'd like to thank Dan. Dan is a longtime friend and also part of the Discography Discussion podcast. He now has his own podcast called DFT's Dungeon that you can check out. But Dan was on one podcast episode and we had a really great time. And since we're both like into music, he was on the episode season two, episode eight for crying out loud. So here's a clip from that episode. If I could get a McRib, then that'd be great, yeah. Uh, yes, it is the season of the McRib. Yes, it? yes, it I is. I have not have, had one in a long time. I've had three so far. I'm, They're okay. They're not great, but I can't resist the exclusivity of it. Well, the fact that it's it's formed to look like it has bones in it, but it doesn't. Yeah, it reminds me of the meat, the dinosaur meat that they used to eat on the Flintstones. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's yep. that's why I really, especially in the Flintstones movies, you like the meat like they Fred eat looks, yeah, looks almost exactly like <laughs> that. But anyway, back yeah, to the episode. Yeah, as she's counting the money, he's closing the curtains. And he's basically, you know, acting like he's fine. she's fine with what she's doing and stuff. But he's eyeing his guitar that he got from Pete Townsend, he says. As the voice is telling him not to do it, he decides to smash Miss Killboss's head in. 
Which really, I mean, it didn't. It wasn't super gory or anything. It's really just they don't really show a whole lot until after. But he hits her like eight times. But but yeah. you were you were saying the guitar didn't break or anything. Well, like, yeah. See, that's what bugged me the most yeah. about this is that there's blood all over her. There's blood on the money. Yeah. There's blood everywhere, and but not really he, on uh, him either. Like no, not on him at all. And. Uh, the guitar doesn't break, and it's a hollow body guitar. Yeah, the strings don't even pop. Stray, strings don't pop or anything. Mm-hmm. And I find it hard to believe. Like, I don't know if any anybody that's listening has ever smashed a guitar before. <laughs> um, I have a couple of times, and I do. I can admit that it is really difficult to smash a solid body guitar. Yeah. But a hollow body, those things just break apart. Yeah, man. they're it's amazing. Not a clean break it's almost it's like balsa like, wood. Yeah. You know, it's just it's very thin. And I, I'm not hundred percent convinced that you could even kill anybody with a <coughs> with a hollow body guitar. Maybe you could yeah. strangle them with the strings. But... I mean she might not even technically be dead really. She could just be like really unconscious or something. That's what I'm gonna go with. We'll so, just say that. Yeah. So, like, no one hears it because, the, you know, Iggy Pop's out there rocking out to the same song he was rocking out to earlier. So he decides to store her body in an old bass drum case. Next, I'd like to thank my friend Tom. Tom is a friend that goes back a little while. He's also married to a friend co-worker of mine. Um, he came on and we had a good time. He was on the episode, season three, episode 12, Deadline. So here's a clip of Tom and I from Deadline. Yeah, cause some of it too. I was like, okay, good. Like when I watched it, I was like, oh, good. She's she's setting the the boundary. Like this is what we're doing, and mm-hmm. then he immediately plays her the same way and like reverse psychologies it to where she's like it irritated me because it was like then he's like, oh yeah, we did have a good time. Okay, well there's the door, and she's like, what? Like you don't yeah. like me? <laughs> and then she's immediately like, oh, we can hang out, and I'm like, oh god. Well, I thought about that too, and it seemed like she gets the impression that they're on the same wavelength Mm -hmm. she's like okay well if this is what that guy wants and it seems like it's the same thing that i want then yeah i just i just thought it was weird how quickly she turns but i mean i understand it's like a 26 minute episode they only have so much time (laughs) because there's another episodes too where it's like she'll be like no i don't want to kiss you and then two minutes later he's like i kiss you and she's like oh my gosh yes and i'm like okay that was that was quick uh, it's a very 1920s way of treating <laughs> romance shut up dame well and then they kiss and like they always just like move their heads a lot and so it cuts to his job which i loved this scene just all the old computers yeah yeah and all that and everyone's just like i watched this with mike when we watched it and he's like it's so loud like how would you get anything done like everyone's all up on each other's butts like it's just desks after desks and everyone's walking around talking there's paperwork everywhere the monitors alone (laughs) just being so i'm looking at it going that is so much wasted space yeah they're so huge and boxy but the screen's so small yeah Next, I'd like to thank Chris. Chris is also a college friend. We go way back, and he came on for an episode, season four, episode seven, The New Arrival, and we had a really great time. Here's the clip. What I thought was interesting, like, they show up, and it's like the house has a bunch of stuff, kind of like a hoarder's Right, yeah, situation. it's definitely already got something going on from the outside. But they act like it's, like, been demo- Like, they're like, what's this mess all about? And it's like, they think it's the child. I'm like, or it could be the mom just having a lot of stuff. Right. Like, it doesn't look like, it's, I don't know, it's just weird to me how they're just like, oh, this child is so horrible. I'm like, mm, no, this mom is a hoarder. They're going to ring the doorbell, and before they do, Dr. Getz pauses, and it's because he hates electricity, but I find that odd because he has a radio show. Right. He's always got, you know, his headphones and everything on. And yeah, to be surrounded by, yeah, to be surrounded by that much stuff, electricity, like he won't touch it. 
his whole thing with the child psychology is ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, and then he, he snaps every time, which is, I don't know what that's supposed to do, but yeah, so it's like, maybe you could just do that with your hatred of electricity, just ignore <laughs> it, ignore it, ignore it, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing you did. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because then the one chick, chick who's like very like... Manager or whoever. Yeah, and then she's got like her hair all slicked back and she has a real short skirt and she just... I don't even know why she's here really. And um, she goes to, to... She's like, oh, f- you know, for God's sake or whatever. And goes in and dings the doorbell and she gets a huge electrical shock and falls down on the ground. And then that's when the door is answered by Nora and it's Zelda Rubenstein. And she's very wee. Most horror people know who she is. I mean, like I said, Poltergeist. She's been in a couple other movies too, but she, I think she does pretty well in this. She answers the door and she's like, oh, sorry about that. I was tinkering with the doorbell. I don't know how that causes it, that it would electrocute yourself that bad, but it's a really old house, I guess. And so... She's a very good tinkerer. She is a very good tinkerer, (laughs) yes. I'm a very good tinkerer. Apparently not though. I mean, I feel like she meant to do that. She was like, I would do that. <laughs> what better way to Screw let visitors. you know? Yeah, what better way to let you know that someone's over at your house if they're not on a pile <laughs> in a pile on the floor on your front porch? Next, I'd like to thank Stephen. Stephen was on the episode season four, episode thirteen, Werewolf Concerto, and Stephen is Mike's brother. So I've known him for a long, long time uh, since he was a teenager. Here is a clip of Werewolf Concerto with me and Stephen. Feel feel funny. Cut, yeah. Oh, maybe he drank uh, too many uh, too many vodka martinis. That'll show you they should be made with gin, but whatever. Actually, when he was going to kill Gotel or whatever, there is a line he does where he goes, he goes, it's time to hula. Uh. Was one of, it was his line of attack. I don't know what that's <laughs> supposed to mean. But he... I remember writing that down in my notes here because he's just like, it's time to hula. And then I think that's when he kicks the gun out of his hand and catches so. it. So he's starting to, to feel kind of ill and he's transforming. And that's what I like about werewolf movies and things. That when the transformation scenes are done well, it's mm-hmm. great. And I think this one was done pretty well. I, th- I, I thought it was. The in-between uh, the in between werewolf form is pretty fun. Yeah. I uh, think it, when it's done where it looks like it's... I mean, sometimes it just looks so painful. He, and... You look look at that. You would hardly like know it was Dalton. Yeah. Like, he totally he, doesn't look like... He looks like, he looks like he's half-elf. <laughs> <laughs> like it's great his feet are coming through his shoes and it's really painful he's bleeding from his fingernails while his finger his claws are coming mm-hmm. through going through so many clothes well, what i don't get <laughs> is he like the opening scene like they figure out that someone is dead in the woods right yes this is why i think that dalton knows he's a werewolf because like his clothes get all ripped and disheveled and messed up and everything like how would you not know i mean like it, he, i think that he i think that he as a werewolf is looking for the werewolf hunter so that he can kill them. I mean, that's one way to think of it. Because, yeah, at first I was uh, like... Unless he's in extreme denial. Well, I was which... like, it could be a couple things. It could be he doesn't know he's a werewolf and he's looking for the werewolf hunter, which is a good good idea. And he just wakes up either with his clothes intact the next day or just naked. And because of... <laughs> he has a re- self-regenerating yeah. clothes. Next I had on Ivatrice. She came on as a guest, um, also someone, I haven't met her in person, but she came in on a guest as a guest and she has a YouTube channel called Horror Movies and Beyond, where she does a lot of fun interviews with different people associated with horror movies and just other promotional things or like reviews and things like that of movies. It's really great. So go check out Horror Movies and Beyond with Ivatrice. She came on to my podcast and we reviewed season five, episode 11, Oil's Well That Ends Well. Had a great time. Here's a clip. 
So Lou Diamond Phillips is caught up with Priscilla Presley's character and the other guys are way ahead of them so they can't hear him, right? So then they're like walking through and there's really no oil in this thing. So they set up like a fake oil yeah. section or something to like, so they, they, that when these guys see it, they'll be like, oh, there is oil. Like, But then you also are digging up this gravesite with all these people in it. <laughs> like, it's a little rude. Like, just <laughs> be like, I'm sorry, your grandma has to move because there's oil, so. Yeah, and then that's when they were just trying to plot on how to invest in some kind of way to to move the property, to get more money. It was just like this business going down with this little piece of oil. But as he walked, I mean, if, yeah, as he walked, yeah. he's like grabbing it's her. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like this part. Like, <laughs> So yeah, they walk by and yeah, as they're walking, it's very, you hardly see it because you're kind of like looking at the expanse of the whole picture. But he just grabs, like, right in the middle of her butt, just grabs both. So then, and no one else sees it, you know? So then they're walking, and then you see this bubbling puddle of oil coming out of this hole. And all the guys are like, oh, man, yeah, it's right there. And um, I love this, too, where, like, Lou Diamond Phillips is talking about how it goes, and he ends up giving him the finger. Yeah, I saw that, too. <laughs> so he's telling him about how the oil flows through the, through the ground. Next is Antonio from the Cult Worthy podcast. I had mentioned him earlier. I was recently on an episode of his podcast talking about bad dog movies, but he was on an episode not too long ago on my podcast, and he was on season seven, episode five, Horror in the Night, and we had fun. You can see that's like a trend. We have a good time. It's a good time. Uh, so yeah, we had fun, and here's a clip of Antonio and I on Horror in the Night. In this particular episode, he has her like in the shadows nearly the whole time. She's never fully lit. She's never fully presented. She's always just kind of bathed in darkness and then just pops in and out. And I thought that was a real brilliant way to present this character because, you know, when we get to find out who she is later, it really makes sense that we don't get to see her all the way. You know, we, we only get to see... yeah bits and pieces of her bathed in shadow and light. And I, I really, really yeah, like how that The fact that, that she's in shadow, yeah. The yeah. fact that she's in shadow, it confuses us in the sense of the way it's confusing him. Exactly. Because he's trying to figure out what's going on. And before he can even really talk to her that long, he passes out because, again, he is bleeding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was shot in the in the arm. He's just walking around like nothing's really wrong. Like He's like, I'll get to that later. So he passes out on the stairs. And so then he wakes up in bed back in the hotel room, which was this will become a common occurrence of just being back in the hotel room. Mm -hmm. So he wakes up and there's blood all over. He's in like a white tank top. Someone has undressed him. The lights are still all over the place outside. He's drinking, wondering how he got in here. Yeah. And then out of the bathroom, I believe it's um, Laura comes out and she's still in shadow. Yes. And a towel. <laughs> yes. She's like, oh, you poor thing. Like she undressed him and she's trying to like, she's almost like she's coming on to him. He's into it in a way he like, there's some flirting earlier. That's like, once I get this settled, sure. I would love to show you a good time. And she's up here, like pulling the, the bandages off his wound and kissing directly on the wound and <laughs> just all stuff that you're like, okay, he, he doesn't know you. Or does he? Yeah. And so during this, this situation or this whole section here is dreamception. Yes. So she's kissing the wound and then he sees the door fly open and a shadowed man comes in and shoots at him. And then he wakes up again in another dream right. from another dream. And next, I'd like to thank Matt. Matt is a member of the Horror Movie Night podcast. He came on for season three, episode one, Loved to Death. 
So here's a clip of Matt and I on that episode. She heads back upstairs into her apartment. And then you got this landlord. I love the landlord <laughs> in the start. Once after, after he becomes like the villain of the episode, I don't like him so much. But there's the scene where... So the way it works out is that the main character says, hey, my sink is broken. And he says, I already know about it. <laughs> the guy goes downstairs and he comes back up. And the landlord kicks on the, the intercom real quick and goes, I fixed that sink for you. And the guy's like, oh, thanks. And then he just goes, rent's due tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, it's so matter did of fact, he hire he's... someone to do it or does he actually leave the apartment? Because it seems to me like he doesn't or if he does, he's real quick. So part of me wonders. So it shows that he's got all of these cameras and all of this stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Part of me almost wonders if he intentionally will turn things off from inside of his like oh. like that he could like if we're gonna go in a direction that they don't say at all but i'm just making up off the top of my head it kind of makes sense so he needs these souls from these people because he obviously gets something from get seeing these women murdered mm -hmm. so he sees someone who he who's you know he sees that this guy has affection for this girl so he like shuts off the water to create the conversation so that he can eventually push him in that direction. You know what I mean? Yeah, could be. Because, yeah, it does seem like he's kind of got this upper hand where he likes to manipulate the people in the apartment yeah. complex. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it could have just been he flicked the switch and now the sink's fixed. <laughs> that's pretty messed up, though. <laughs> like, this is just, he just sits in there, like, what, chain smokes all day long and, and watches videos That's of people just doing things? Just messes with people's lives. Uh, <laughs> it's messed up. But yeah, I got to talk with a lot of friends and other people that I've, I didn't know about and just have them on the podcast and just have a lot of fun getting to do that and trying different things with my editing and clips and just, yeah, talking to people about the episodes and just having fun. And so I just wanted to thank everyone who's been on any of the episodes. Thank you for taking the time and coming on to talk about Tales from the Crypt with me. I'd also like to give a shout out to my cats. I had a cat named Belle. She passed away five years ago, actually, this month. And I think she's on a little bit of the beginning episodes. I think there's a little bit of her purring or something like that. She was a very quiet cat. But then you have Gus, who is still with us. Uh, Gus is now about 12 years old and he's a Maine Coon mix and he has his own Instagram page. And usually you can hear him in episodes running around or meowing and just being crazy. And even if you couldn't hear him, he's usually around. Right now I'm recording this and he's behind me on the futon sleeping. So he's always been around. If you want to check out Gus and how cute he is, you can look on his Instagram page at a sweet cat named Gus. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So find me on Twitter at Gek Podcast, at G-E-K Podcast. Email me at goodeveningpod at gmail.com. If you know someone or you have a podcast and you would like me to be a guest, you can send me messages on that and we can set something up. This has been, uh, this has been fun. Thank you all so much again. Just, ah, thank you. <laughs> so this is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, saying goodbye, boils and ghouls. I thought my heart was beating.